Welcome to a brand new NFL playoff edition of the Bull Take Podcast. I'm Austin Wainter with me, with me as always. You know him, you know him. He's rocking a Indiana State Larry Bird jersey today, the Austin Hill. And well, uh, Austin, another round of the playoffs is complete. We are we are down to the final four teams in the season. Yeah, um, some really exciting matchups we've got here and. I can certainly say after the last week of football, um, these are definitely the four best teams we have left. Um, there's no questions about it, no controversies here. Um, these teams got it done, and uh, really, whatever the Super Bowl ends up being, it's going to be a fun matchup uh, with what we've got left. Yeah, I mean, think about it. We'll talk about more of the matchups once we get to them, but before that, we have a second episode coming out tomorrow. It is a not an NBA episode, but an NFL, and we're going to look back at our preseason predictions for awards and also give our predictions for this year's awards as well. And I'm not going to lie to you. I looked at some of them, Austin. There are some interesting picks from both of us in this. Uh, yes, uh, looking back at mine, um, I'm close with some. Others, uh, head coaching uh, really uh, let me down. <laughs> that's a that's a slight hint at one of them. We'll, just, we'll leave it at that, but nonetheless – that will come out tomorrow after this one. But let us start with divisional round weekend recap and Jags versus Chiefs, the very first game. I think it's safe to say this one summed up by Mahomes beating the Jags on one leg. Yeah, uh, it really came down to uh, Mahomes making some great plays, but uh, I hated that on the last Chiefs uh, drive uh, to get points, uh, which basically put them up and gave them the win. Um, there were about, I don't know, five offensive penalties that the Chiefs just got away with, including a massive blindside crackback block from uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, I think we could have used a little bit better officiating on that drive and uh, it really lended a hand um, to that offense and to that defensive pressure that they were bringing. Um, it, it kept Patrick Mahomes in it when he made some poor throws and poor decisions uh, on that one leg. But overall, the the Jags offense really couldn't get it going even if they had got the ball back. So I don't think it made the biggest difference in the world. Yeah, that was exactly my thinking. While there was some questionable stuff, the Jags had their chances early on in that game. They were shutting down the Chiefs offense. The problem was their offense could do anything against the Chiefs defense. And main thing is they really weren't that aggressive. on. There were one or two yeah. aggressive plays. I mean, there's the one 60-yard pass by Lawrence that goes right through Christian Kirk's hands, which, I mean, that play worked, number yeah. one. So why not try to be more aggressive? But, that I mean, that's the biggest thing. Doug and them just weren't as aggressive and thought that in order to beat the Chiefs, they had to play it safe, which is the exact opposite of what you need to do to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, you got to take your chances. Um, but one thing I really wanted to talk about, and something I've been meaning to talk about on this podcast for a while, but there's never a great opportunity or a great example to bring it up. And now's the perfect time. Uh, the Jaguars found themselves in a very interesting strategic situation, and I wanted to go over your thoughts on it. So they got the ball back uh, a little bit inside two minutes, and they don't have all three timeouts. Um, I think they might have actually been inside one minute even. Um, and they get into field goal range. They're down 10. And either way, whether you score a touchdown or a field goal on this drive, you are going to have to get the onside kickback to have a chance to win the game. Um I've always been in the school of thought that get in a field goal range, and as soon as you're in comfortable field goal range, kick your field goal, give yourself more time. That way, you still have to get the onside kick either way. Um, you've got a chance. You've got more time to get down the field and score. 
Um, but personally, I wanted to know your thoughts and everybody else's thoughts kind of on this because, I don't know, to me it seems like it's a wasted opportunity. Um, and Doug Peterson ended up kicking the field goal, but only on fourth down and only with like 17 seconds left in the game would have been a tough situation had they gotten the onside kick. For me, I'm right with there with you. Not only that, I'm having the kicker next to me if I'm the head coach. And before yeah. the drive starts, I'm like, hey, what yard line are you comfortable from? Are you comfortable from 40-plus? Do we need to go get closer? What I'm I'm doing the kicker's preference there. I'm like, where do you want it? Where? Uh, what yard line? Let us know. We'll get to that. And as soon as we do, we'll have a signal. You go out there and kick it. That's, that's the simple thing to me. But yeah, Doug, I guess, was trying to be aggressive, trying to score. But at the same time, I understand your point in making sure that you want to get the points and have a lot more time, even if you uh, recover the onside kick. Yeah, um, you know, and it's not just Doug Peterson. Uh, this this happens uh, truly a lot in football, where yeah. uh, college football even, where it just seems like head coaches ignore that opportunity. Um, it, to me, it almost feels like you're just trying to delay the letdown of the onside kick. Um, or maybe they think that, you know, fans are going to wonder why you kick a field goal there. Well, it's the same situation either way um, to me. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And honestly, the onside kick almost worked. Kadarius Tony mishandled that Yeah, for half a kick. second, that ball was loose. If that, if that ball had taken uh, a, a slightly different bounce off the chest, it's in the hands of the Jaguars. I mean, they didn't, almost none of them got blocked on the initial push through that first line and had the ball not just fallen flat in front of Kadarius Tony, where he could just fall on it. Uh, we're, we're looking at an exciting yeah, ball game. To me, my opinion on onside kick, I always want to kick it up in the air. Give your guy, give our guys time where they don't have to just hope and pray that they bobble it. Yeah. Your guys can get down the field and win. Now if they get in the right position. They can just catch the kick. Absolutely. That, that's the way I've always thought. Dude. Now, obviously you really can't do that in Madden or NCAA football. You can't do that. But that's the way if I was coach, I'd be like, kick it up in the air and give our guys a chance to go run, get a running start to go and catch a ball. That's that's how I would have done it. But real quick, I almost for, uh, I completely forgot to mention this. We had breaking news right before we started this episode. After what's felt like forever, we finally have our first coaching hire of the offseason, which, again, it's conference championship week. We usually have like three or four by now. Yeah. So uh, nonetheless, Frank Reich, the former Colts head coach, Heading to Carolina, a place where he did play his football, some of his football career at. So, your your thoughts on the hire? Uh, I think this is a great hire, obviously for the team that is, you know, rebuilding once again or maybe continuing a rebuild. Um, and really, they've got a nice young defense, and so a lot of their uh, picks early in this draft, I think, are going to be on the offense. And this is the perfect guy to build your offense around. I mean. We saw what he did in Philadelphia, and we saw the flashes that his offense has had in Indianapolis. And really, I think he was fired prematurely due to injuries and poor player performance. Um, I think this is a big hire, and for Carolina, this is the right direction for your rebuild, especially to rebuild that offense without McCaffrey and looking for a new face of the quarterback position. Yeah, I'm with there. I'm there with you. I I kind of wanted Steve Wilkes to get it. But I talked to you before. I understand why they decided to go a different direction. His one year as a true head coach with the Cardinals was uh, not not the greatest. So so I understand that. I understand why they decided to go with Reich. That's not a bad idea. But also another thing with Frank Reich, you think about it, a really young defense. They're set there. He's an offensive-minded coach. He literally gets to pick the offense, and he'll have his pick of a quarterback of what he wants to do. So if he wants to be aggressive and trade up to number one and go get Bryce Young to be his QB, he can do that. 
if he Absolutely. wants to be aggressive and trade up again, Will Levis, he can do that. Or C.J. Stroud. Or if he wants to get crazy, trade back and then draft Anthony Richardson. I don't know. Whatever whatever his preference is, he can. they can choose based on his need and pick the type of QB he wants, not coming into a situation where it's already set for him. Absolutely. He's he's getting to create his perfect offense. And, you know, this is going to be a best his best chance to show himself as an offensive coach. Yeah. So we'll move on to the next game. As I completely mentioned that before the episode, that's my man. Let's move on to the Saturday night game that I think of all the games this weekend, this was probably the biggest disappointment uh, for comp- competition wise. Uh, Giants and Eagles. Uh, I think it's safe to say the Eagles literally ran through the Giants, Austin. Yeah, uh, they really came out, and they were just on fire. Um, You know, I was myself concerned, uh, was Jalen Hurts ready to play? You know, had the injury at the end of the season against the Bears, um, missed some time, and, you know, even with all that time off, I was still curious, you know, would he be able to get out there and play the same kind of football he's played all year that's possibly propelled him to an MVP season this year? And he came out and delivered, and they punched the Giants in the mouth right away and never looked back. Yeah, that's, I mean, like I said, run through 268 yards on the ground for the Eagles. Man, this, I mean, it was a game for the Giants that from the get, from the get go, I mean, the Eagles went right down the field. And then once they went three and out multiple possessions, you could tell it, it could get out of hand. Yeah, it was just a completely different vibe. But we didn't mention this with Jacksonville, we'll mention it with the Giants. Both, Two teams that no one expected in the playoffs this year. And I know that's a cliche that I'm going to say that your future is bright because, well, for any team it could be. But for forget about the Jags. The Giants are interesting because Daniel Jones and Saquon are free agents, unrestricted because they didn't pick up their fifth-year options. So they're having big breakout years. Now, most likely they're expected to return to the Giants, but they do have their options this offseason. Yeah, and this is massive, uh, a big issue that the Giants could run into, and well, big and small, is that Saquon has already said he's not expecting to reset the running back market. He's not expecting to get a historic deal. He's had the two injured years where he missed and, you know, just getting back to uh, full uh, health. So, you know, this is going to create a lot of competition. A lot of teams are going to want to get interested. I know that this is definitely going to bring the attention of the Chicago Bears now. Um, a team that's always looking for upgrades on the offense. And, and with hundreds of million dollars yeah, in cap room. Have millions of dollars to spend, and you have to spend less of those millions now to get Saquon Barkley. The Giants are going to have some competition, and you know you really can't help but say they kind of did it to themselves with the inability, with um, you know the unwillingness to bring these guys back, but gave them a chance, and now you've got to show them, hey, look at what we did together. We can build on this, and hopefully maybe get those guys back. I think for one, I think Daniel Jones will be back. I feel I pretty confident in that one. But Saquon, I, I'm like 50-50 on. I really don't know if he'll be back with the he's Giants. He's going to have such a big market, especially with the value he's putting himself exactly. at. Um, you know, that the Giants, uh, they're going to be in a bidding war for sure. Yeah, he might be the most underrated free agent of the summer, probably. Absolutely. Obviously, everyone's going to talk about Tom Brady and what's Aaron Rodgers going to do and all that. Saquon is going to be really interesting. Like I said, we both expect he'll be going to returning to the Giants, but... We've seen stuff where people are expected to return and then something happens. Yeah, obviously. Um, you know, you have a lot of these uh, contract negotiations go bad or, you know, for some teams it's contract negotiations go good and you just make an offer that really, uh, you know, gets somebody's attention or some of the other pieces you've gotten bring guys in and these guys are like, well, I want to play with some of these guys. Um, so, it, you know, 
it's really un, unforeseen right now what could happen. Um, you know, we obviously haven't even gotten into free agency yet. So uh, I, I think there's a no telling to predict where anybody could go at this point. And like we said, next week we have a special episode. We're going to look at some of the predicaments for some teams going into free agency and the offseason. An episode you won't want to miss. Let's move to Sunday's action and two of the games that we thought would be the best. We'll start with the big shocker, Cincinnati going to Buffalo in a blizzard and dominating, but not just dominating by Joe Burrow and company. The defense of the Bengals won them this game. Yes, absolutely. They kept Josh Allen and uh, the Bills' fiery offense off the board. A lot of times they came out there and showed out, and it didn't help that uh, Joe Burrow was going out there, and he was perfect on his first two drives and two passing touchdowns. Um, so to say that the uh, the Bengals were un- unprepared, just an, uh, you know, absolutely wrong. And it- it's unbelievable the way they came out and played and the way they had been underestimated coming into this week. And even me personally picking the Bills, um, I didn't think that the Bengals were going to come out and play poorly, but I did not expect them to be so locked in from the gun and really just keep the Bills out of it. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I did pick the Bengals, so I wouldn't say underestimate, but I didn't think they'd win this way. Yeah. <laughs> I did not expect them to final score to be 27-10. to I was expecting 37-34 maybe. Absolutely. But, yeah, give them credit. And, honestly, Bengals defensive coordinators and their defensive staff deserve a lot of credit for this win because they don't get talked about a lot. Yeah, um, you know, Zach Taylor, offensive head coach guy. This team's got a fire, uh, a lot of firepower on the offensive end. Um, but these guys went out on defense, and they showed out, and they got a big, big win, and now they're back in the AFC Championship against the Chiefs, and we know this story already. Oh, yes, we do. And the, their defense coordinator, Lou Anarumo, I, I probably – I'm not even – I don't even know why I attempted it. No clue. Uh, but anyway, he uh, he deserves a lot of credit. I'm surprised he isn't getting looked at for some jobs potentially because he's shown that he did a really good job. There. And last year in the playoff run against the Titans and the Chiefs to get them to the Super Bowl. So Yes, for sure. But nonetheless, Bengals are moving on. And then the Niners uh, in a game that I th- was definitely not what I thought it was going to be. I, uh, I'm not trying to be mean when I say this. Uh, I expect this game to be a whole lot better than what it was. Not not close-wise, but just level of play-wise. And uh, the Niners beat the Cowboys 19-12. to And to me, at least in my opinion, there's one very simple reason the Cowboys lost his game. Dak Prescott. Yeah, he was just not good. Both defenses really came to play in this one. Offenses struggled a lot early. Um, but when that 49ers offense started to pick up and get going and Brock Purdy got comfortable, uh, Dak Prescott – and the Cowboys offense just didn't respond, and it culminated in easily one of the worst plays I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, I wonder what play you're referring to. Could it be Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott lining up at center, potentially? Uh, yes, it could be. <laughs> and honestly, the worst part is I see exactly where what this play was meant to do, and uh, really it just came down to the Cowboys thinking that the Niners wouldn't bring any pressure up the middle just because Zeke exactly. Elliott was there. Um, the co- whole concept is really kind of almost, it's almost genius. You have Ezekiel Elliott playing center. Then you line three offensive linemen up on the right side with one wide receiver. So now he, there's probably just going to be one guy over there running a route. One offensive lineman with three wide receivers running back in the backfield. And really the whole concept is simple. The defense kit doesn't really know who's going to do what. Um, and so now you've got one guy running this way, three guy running down the field. And now, 
what you're looking at here, they had to go a long way. Hook and ladder was the idea. And now that Zeke Elliott's in and you only have four offensive linemen on the field instead of five, you really have nine or what? You've got seven-ish guys that uh, you can trust to carry the ball on a hook and ladder play, tossing it around. So really they were trying to create a situation to get more position players on the field, um, but it really just turned ugly uh, immediately. Uh, ugly to say the least. But my question for you is, where does this play rank among the worst? Let's compare it to the Indianapolis Colts Patriots play on that fourth one. Which play would you say is worse when you think about it? Um, I think Pat McAfee put it in a great way. Our play was not supposed to be snapped. That was a deke play. You were just trying to get the first down. They were supposed to take the penalty back up five yards Very and true. punt it away. This play was quite simply supposed to be run. This play was made to be run. And like I said, I understand the idea of it, but to think that the 49ers having one of the best pass rushes in the NFL, probably the best pass rush in the NFL. They're with the team they're facing this weekend. Yeah. yeah. To think that they're not going to bring even one guy at Ezekiel Elliott is absolutely foolish. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I get the idea they were going for, but really, if you want to do a trick play and have a fake offensive lineman on the field, why not just put five position players in at offensive linemen? Because on a hook and ladder, anybody can touch the ball. Why, if you're trying to eliminate the offensive lineman out of the play and get the ball out quick, at least put five guys up there yeah. to stop something from happening because Dak Prescott still got hit on this play. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what happens when we only have Ezekiel trying to go up against the defensive line. But nonetheless, the Niners get the win. 1912. And honestly, this sends some question marks for Dallas going into the offseason. Your QB that you paid $160 million to cost you that game, really. You have a Jerry Jones, who literally, who their social media team, who posted on their, on their Twitter. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't. Uh, let me see if I can find it. But nonetheless, there's a lot of potential things. Yeah, this was posted on the Cowboys. Um, official Twitter page. Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in the ni- in the narrow loss to the Niners. In a matchup, the Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't again self gener- uh, again generate self inflicted wounds. Yeah. Um. So there's that, and then there's a lot of tension with that. There was the Brett Maher stuff last week, and I know he had the one missed extra point here, but I mean, with the final score being what it was, I mean, you just would have lost by six instead of by seven. So I mean, yeah, that that didn't make a whole lot of difference at the end of the game, and honestly, just kind of kept momentum and helped keep the uh, 49ers focused and in the game. That's a nice little uh, boost of energy for them. Uh, But I think a big question that um, we're really going to have to address is Tony Pollard, unrestricted free agent this year, and really was clearly the better of the two running backs. But Ezekiel Elliott making a massive amount of money on his contract, so a decision may have to be made. Now, an unfortunate benefit for the Dallas Cowboys, Tony Pollard got hurt to close out that game, and he's going to miss some time. And while I don't think this is going to be an injury that will keep him out to start next year, it doesn't look like, at least from what I've read, um, it will be an injury that I think is going to hurt his value a little bit this offseason. And maybe he'll end up signing a prove-it deal with Dallas this year, but then that just delays this decision till next offseason. Eventually, they're going to have to pick between the two. Yeah, they truly are. So, it's going to be interesting to see how they truly decide that and how much injury goes into effect. And they got lucky with Dak Prescott when that happened, too. Yes. But nonetheless, it is time to preview the final four. Let's start with the NFC. No pick yet, but Eagles-Niners, we all predicted it. 
What are your thoughts about the matchup? No prediction, just your overall thoughts on it. I, I think this is going to be a, a great defensive game. And uh, really, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a better version of what Dallas and San Francisco was last weekend. There's going to be two defenses that I think are going to get after each other. Uh, the offense is just so quickly. Um, and I think it's going to come down to which offense can prevail. Yeah, I'm there. I'm there with you. But the big thing to me, running the ball, the way a team starts the game is going to be key to me. Because the Niners, whenever they get ahead early and they can run the ball, they control it really good. And the Eagles, while they have good pass rush, they're not the greatest against the run. That's what hurts them. But if the Eagles get up early and force the Niners to pass, they have to go for they have to go against that pass rush of the Eagles and the Eagles. What's really been a surprisingly elite secondary so far this year. So it, to me, as as weird as to say, it comes down to the end. To me, it comes down to how the game's going to start for either side. It's going to determine it. Absolutely. And then the AFC Championship. It's a rematch of last year's phenomenal game in Kansas City, and it'll be in Kansas City this year. Uh, Chiefs and Bengals. Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes. Uh, something tells me we're going to get used to seeing this matchup a lot. How, your your thoughts on this matchup? Um, we know these two teams have great offenses. Obviously, the Patrick Mahomes injury is going to be a big question coming into this one, but um, he's going to play no matter what. We know that. It's really going to be a matter of how mobile is he and how how much is that mo- – if that mobility is hampered, how much is that going to hurt this offense? Because we saw he couldn't make a lot of the typical Patrick Mahomes plays because he needed to put weight on that right foot, which he couldn't do. So – um, if he can't move, they're gonna obviously Andy Reid's gonna have to game plan better plays that don't involve Patrick Mahomes doing this crazy stuff. And Patrick Mahomes is gonna have to be more conscious of the movements he makes in the pocket as far as throwing the ball. But really where this game comes down to me is the Chiefs defense. This young secondary made some phenomenal plays against Trevor Lawrence uh last week, including that interception by Phenomenal. Uh, yeah. Uh, what I can't even McDuffie? Think. No, it was the other one. Watson, Jalen Watson. Jalen Watson, right. Um, made that phenomenal interception on that wheel route, it looked like. Um, and just an absolutely great pick. The difference here is uh Trevor Lawrence, while he's proven to make a big leap this year, he struggled with turning the ball over this po- especially this postseason. Um so it's going to be a bigger challenge against Joe Burrow, a guy who's really established himself early in his NFL career as an elite passer. What, what are you talking um, about? <laughs> they're going to have to step up in this game and shut him down the same way that they did Joe Bur- or, uh, Trevor Lawrence, which is a, a much tougher task. But if they can do it, then obviously I think the Chiefs can take this game. It, but I think that's really where this game's decided. Yeah, I'm there with you. Like you said, Joe Burrow, besides being uh, one of the top QBs in the NFL now, uh, he doesn't make – many mistakes. I think he made one or two against the Bills that should have been intercepted or something. But, I mean, besides that, you really don't see him make a lot of mistakes. And I feel like this Chiefs defense, no offensive, I feel like they need to force at least one or two turnovers in this game. Absolutely, because I, I, I really think that with how good the Bengals' defense is, if this is just a scoring back and forth, back and forth, that one stop yeah, just is one do stop. It, and the Bengals defense can make that one stop. Yeah, so it's going to come down to them forcing turnovers, getting pressure. So I'd maybe expect Steve Spagnuolo to bring more pressure, make them uncomfortable, and I can see him maybe trying to do it that way, potentially. Absolutely. But now, no, it's a little bit early, but only four games that we talked about this week, and then there will be no better the weeks with it only being two games, so... But we did both hit on ours. You did have Jags plus seven. 
they uh, they did or no, it was plus eight. Plus sorry, eight and a plus half. eight and a half, and they won, and they only lost by seven. And I had Bengals plus five and a half, and they won the game straight up. Won so uh, glad we could end your NFL betting season right on the money. I think overall we helped everybody's uh, wallets. Uh, anybody that took our picks this year, uh, I'd love to know the numbers on that. We yeah. maybe should go back and yeah. peek at that. At that some sounds point later. like a great idea for a next day that season. I don't. Have, yeah, for next season and a day. That I do not have homework. I yeah. can still get started on that. So I think that would be perfect for the season preview. Let people know uh, next year how, how well we did on our bets and help out your wallets because I don't remember a lot of weeks where we did poorly. I feel like we at least either went 500 or at least or like one above 500 most weeks. The only way I can think of where we didn't was the week where I got like went 0-5 and, and got all my picks wrong. That's about the only week I can say we were bad. And that's not even us. That was just me. Yeah. So... So nonetheless, we can work on that for next year. Like we said, I feel like I feel like we did give a lot of people tips about what to go with for them. Yeah, made some money. Hopefully. Ho- hopefully so. So now we will get to our picks. This will be our final picks for two weeks until the Super Bowl. We'll start with the first one, the NFC, the one that the Bold Take podcast here predicted in the preseason. What can we say? We're just we're built different. That that good. Yes, we are. So Eagles versus Niners, without a doubt, the top two teams in the NFC in Philly. Who wins? So I know we did our preview of the playoffs, and uh, I made a pick. Uh, basically, I had this matchup in mind when I made this pick. Um, but uh, I'm going to go against the pick that I initially made because wow. of the way that I've seen this team respond, and I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles. I took the 49ers at the beginning of the playoffs. I was worried about Jalen Hurts, truly, that injury and how it was going to affect him. But he looked really good. And the thing that really surprised me is how well they ran the ball against the Giants. Knowing that they can rely on that run maybe early in the game, and when it comes to it, be forced to pass the ball. Be forced to pass the ball with a guy who's the MVP, who might be the MVP this year, at least the MVP in my book. I don't think that's a a scary thought at all for the Eagles, and I think that that's going to help them. And I think, really, the thing that's going to hurt the 49ers is Brock Purdy, the rookie, he's finally going to meet his match in a defense. This defense, I think, is going to put him in some tough spots. And he's made poor decisions. We've seen it time and time again throughout this season, some rookie decisions, passing the ball, throwing in the coverage. This is the secondary that can absolutely capitalize on that. And I think that Darius Slay and uh, James Bradbury are going to come away with interceptions in this one. Okay. I like your point because the way the Cowboys defense played last week, I could see that he was uncomfortable against the Cowboys. Took him forever to even get semi-confident in that game. So I like that. But, 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 but. I do like did pick the Niners at the beginning of the playoffs. I get it and in the preseason. And I got on, I'm not gonna lie, this is one of the few times one of my preseason picks is actually You gotta ride with it. Yeah, I have to ride with it. I'm gonna go I'm I'm thinking the Niners can off to a good start and then they can use their running game to keep control of the lead and keep control of the clock. And I feel like their that their pass rush, which as great as the Eagles is, I feel like it's right up there with the Niners, which we both kind of hinted at. I think they can make a difference in the game. The big thing is they have to get pressure because their secondary compared to the Eagles is not that great. No offense to the Niners. They have a phenomenal defense. Linebackers, defensive line, amazing. Secondary, eh, eh, so it's okay. Yeah. But uh, I think they get off to a good start and control the game, so I'll give it to the Niners. Plus, like I said, I have to ride with them. Yeah, I absolutely respect that, riding with that pick. I, I honestly 
could hope to see them in the playoffs. That way we got something in the Super Bowl. That way we got something going for us. Yeah, man. I mean, either way, you think about it. We're either getting Jalen Hurts or Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl. Think about yeah. that. Who would have thought that at the beginning of the year? Uh, not me. I mean, we the bull take did pick it, but we picked it thinking it was going to be Trey Lance or Jimmy G. Not yeah. definitely not Brock Purdy. <laughs> I mean, if it, if there was someone out there who thought Brock Purdy would, um, I don't believe I, you. Yeah, I don't believe you, and I need proof you did not travel back in time and buy like a sports history book and just bet on Brock Purdy to win Offensive Rookie of the Year or something. Yeah, you cheater. Yeah, big cheer. What are we in Back to the Future or something? Uh, next up, the AFC Championship, the one that I think everyone's – well, as great as that one's going to be, this is the one everyone else is looking forward to as well. It's Bengals, Chiefs, Joe Burrow versus Mahomes. Rematch. How does this one play out? Oh, I, I'll, I'll save some time here. I'm going to go Bengals. I just – while I said the Chiefs defense is going to be the key in helping them win this game, I don't think they're going to be up to the task of stopping Joe Burrow. He has looked – he looked elite last week against a better defense and in a blizzard and in a blizzard. (laughs) Imagine the conditions are going to be nice for throwing the football in Kansas city. I think it's going to be a thriller. I think it comes down to the last play, but I think whether it's the Bengals offense or the Bengals defense, they're going to come out and get the big stop or make the big play to win this game. Well, but when the playoffs started, I did say, I think it'd be Bengals versus Niners. So again, I'm feeling confident in that one and I'm with you. I, I do like the Bengals in this game, even if I hadn't picked them, before the playoffs started, too. Uh, I really like – I think their defense, like we talked about, I think their defense gets one more stop in this game than yeah. the Chiefs' defense does. I think they shut – I think they get to Mahomes with him not being able to scramble as well in the game. Yeah. I think they can get to him. But another thing I like, I think that Mahomes, sometimes we don't really see him just stand in the pocket and make throws. And he's going to have to. He's really going to have to, unless that ankle is less by the Lord above with yeah. some of the greatest healing of all time. It's still going to hurt to try to walk a run on out there. So, for sure. Uh, so, he's going to have to make some throws in the pot. And that was one of the things that the NFL draft, when he got drafted, everyone's like, yeah, he's great on the run doing this. Can he stand in the pocket and make the throws? And now he's being forced to. I think that's the difference. And the Cincinnati Bengals and, are, and the Niners were in the Super Bowl. And I predicted that at the start of the playoffs. So, I feel really good. Uh, but I don't know if that's going to happen. We have two great matchups on Sunday afternoon Absolutely. and evening. It's going to be phenomenal. Then the week after. We'll talk about that. We'll look into offseason stuff. And then the week after that, Austin, we'll have the last football game of the year in the NFL. Well, I guess overall until the XFL starts. Yeah. Uh, but don't forget tomorrow, award prediction episode coming out. We'll see. You'll see how good or how bad some of our picks were. Uh, you'll definitely want to tune in for one of for one of mine, one of Austin's, the, and, and many more. I mean, there's so many that are interesting. Yeah. But for now, enjoy your football weekend. That is Austin Hill. I am Austin Wader, and we want to thank you for listening.